Next on BYU Sports Nation, home sweet home. Where does winning at Lavelle Edwards Stadium rank on your list of BYU football priorities? Chris Burgess says the men's hoops roster isn't finished. What position or positions does BYU need to fill? Plus, is the era of having your best players stay all four years over for BYU basketball? Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Wednesday, May 15th, wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with Taylor Swift's number one fan in the state of Utah, Jerem Jordan. I know a few songs. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm her number one fan, but I'm a fan. You're a fan. Okay. I'm a fan. Okay. What's your favorite Taylor Swift song? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Welcome to New York. Welcome to New York. Is it really? Or is that just the first one you thought of? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I'm a fan. Are you feeling 22? No. You feeling? My left knee hurts. More like 42? <laughs> Playing basketball. <laughs> no. You've been I'm working, not feeling 42. That's been working Jason, the leg hard, man. That's Jason Shepard. Yeah. Been working it hard on the court. We're still in our 30s, believe it or not. Um, so we got a minute. But. Well, a couple of guys not in their 30s are going to join us on today's show. We'll let you decide which is which. The voice of the Cougars, Greg Rebell, on the importance you of get- four-year guys for BYU basketball. Mm-hmm. How does it all correlate for pro aspirations? And Danny Jelilich using that BYU Sports Nation karma that we gave at the last moment to Brock Hell as he was walking out of the studio. Well, Brock used it, too. He had oh, three extra I know. I know. I know. We'll get to all of that. Jelilich, BYU Baseball, Brock Hale. Yes. That's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. <laughs> it's convenient, Jerem. It so is, we're going there. It is convenient. It's convenient. Have we not determined that we do this often? That's just a little too inc- <laughs> or convenient. BYU Baseball gets it done. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Led off by the Batcats, who route Utah 10-3 with a late innings push. Tied 2-2 in the top of the eighth. Bases loaded. Danny Jelilich becomes the next rivalry star. 2-2 pitch. That ball hit pretty well. Right field, right fielder going back. Nicholas looks up. This ball is out of here. Grand slam home run for Danny Jelilich. Cougars lead 6-2. Believe that. A third grand slam in the last four games for the Cougars. Brock Hale also. Went three for five on the night, hitting his third home run in four games. Cougars now 20 games over 534 and 14, moving into the last series against Santa Clara. Game one tomorrow night, 9 Eastern on BYU Radio. They win all three. They are the number one seed and the outright regular season champions. Rhett Rasmussen shot a 63 to move into second place at the NCAA Regionals in Pullman yesterday. Currently, BYU tied for third at 18 under. Eight strokes off the lead. Texas A&M leading in the Pullman Regional. Today, BYU one under so far. The Cougars on the first four holes individually. Rhett Rasmussen tied for second now at eight under. Uh, Shot a 63 yesterday. That's incredible. Still waiting for Peter Quest to make that charge. Carson Lundell uh, dropped just a touch. Uh, He's six under. He's even today tied for ninth. So two guys in the top ten. Things looking nice for BYO as a team to advance again to the NCAA championships. And they are uh, eight strokes 
above the cut, if yeah. you will. UCLA yeah. in 6th at 10 under. In good shape. And they are on the course right now. We'll update you throughout the show. Keep it rolling. BYU softball wins three of the top West Coast Conference annual awards, along with seven players named to the all-WCC team. Senior outfielder Lexi Taro earns her first WCC Player of the Year award, leading the conference with a 488 batting average. Arissa Paulson claims BYU's fourth consecutive WCC Pitcher of the Year award, and Aaron Miklas is the Defensive Player of the Year at second base. The Cougars head to the Stillwater Regional tomorrow to face number 13 Oklahoma State at 8.30 Eastern. And former Cougar Brandon Davies scored 18 points for Zalgiris in an 89-70 Game 1 playoff win against Dujukija in the Lithuania Basketball League opening playoff series. Game 2 tomorrow. I'm going to guess that was Zukiha or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no idea. Good luck in the playoffs. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Nestled in Kalani Satake's BYU football must-do list is the phrase, protect Lavelle's house, something BYU has not done in each of the last two seasons. So, Jerem, where does winning at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, specifically in 2019, rank on your list of BYU football priorities? It's up there because if you win most of your home games, you're going to go to a bowl game, and going to a bowl game is not hard. You only have to win six of your 12 games. In fact, if you don't go to a bowl game, you really stink. From 06 to 08, some of BYU's best teams in the last 20 years didn't lose a home game. They won 18 in a row at home. Uh, only two Power Fives, by the way, among those 18 games. Those teams went 11 and 2, 11 and 2, 10 and 3, and they finished 16th, 14th, and 25th in the AP poll. Do you want to be ranked at the end of a season? Do you want to have some meaningful wins? Do you want to appease the fan base and make some memories at home? then win. And BYU hasn't done that um, the last couple of seasons. Of course, the schedule has become increasingly tougher as BYU has been an independent and played more Power Fives. In fact, the last three seasons in the Satake era, five Power Fives at home, um, three this season alone in the first four games, and it hasn't gone super well, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU's 10-8 and eight at home in the Satake era the last three years. Coming up, we'll discuss what's the chance BYU has a winning record at home this season. It's certainly up there. It's not the most important thing, but it's one of the most important things. It's a pillar for BYU football, and 10-8 and eight just straight up isn't good enough. Now, the apologists will say, well, the schedules have been harder. BYU's lost games to UMass, Northern Illinois, and Utah State at home. Things that in the... In 11 win, Utah State. Okay, yeah. but still, in the recent past... People would say, huh? That's crazy. So, yeah, BYU has played some tougher opponents at home, but point is, they've got to be better. And it's number one on my list. Because if BYU is good at home, specifically in 2019, they're probably going to win eight games. If BYU can have a winning record at home, and maybe that's a stretch, but if they can have a winning record at home, then they will win eight games this season. That would be success because, as we noted yesterday, improvement. More wins, improvement, success. And you can gauge the level of success. But number one on Kalani Satake's must-do list, in my opinion, is reinvigorate the fan base by winning at home. The juice is just not good. It's weird. Yeah, and people are complaining about, hey, the students aren't showing up, and it's not as fun. Well, it's not as fun because BYU's not winning. 
Isn't that obvious? Like, if BYU wins, then it's fun. So what's more important? Winning is fun. Participating is not fun. Tell me My that. daughter got a medal for playing in soccer, and I said, hey, good. You know what's better? Is playing your best, doing your best, your team succeeding, you winning, and then you get a championship. That's better. You're, she's learning those attributes. But uh, I'm she's like, five. Every, everyone got a medal. <laughs> like, good job. They're five, though. Yeah. Oh, when they get a little bit older. I'm teaching her the idea. Sure. I'm not, sure. not going to make her cry. So tell she me this. on her own on the field. What's more important than winning at home this season? Like, to me, I was... Beating rivals is more important to me. BYU has two rivals at home. Yeah, but beating them no matter where you play. You play them in the Vegas Bowl, you play them on the road. To me, that is the number one thing. BYU can have a winning record against rivals if they just win those home games. That's something that they have not done in the Kalani Satake era. Have a winning yeah. record against rivals. I have a real issue with BYU's record against rivals and record at home the last three years. I, it's not been good enough. So the, number one on your list be is rivals. Beating the rivals. Number one on my list is yeah. winning at home. And if BYU does both of those, they can accomplish both of those things. Yeah. And they probably won't. It'd be nice to get one of those two. It's Reinvigorate the fan base. Yeah, it's number one. Yeah. Winning reinvigorates people. Yesterday, men's basketball assistant coach Chris Burgess made a Studio B debut. In the interview, he was asked whether the roster is still in flux. There are a couple more guys we're working on to finalize this thing. And then once they're on board, um, let's go. Let, let's get these summer workouts going. and Let's get ready for the, the Italy trip in August. And Man, let's, let, let's, let's, let's go. Let's go. We're ready, we're ready to roll. So a couple more. Spencer, what does BYU need to do to finalize the roster? The what positions is, do they need? The answer is simple. They need size. They need a big man in the middle. They need somebody that can protect the rim. Give me a 6'10", 6'11", guy, just a rim protector. BYU has plenty of offensive weapons, it would seem, although we can't discuss all of those offensive weapons just yet. Hurry up and sign, grad transfer. But BYU apparently has <laughs> plenty of shooters. What they don't have is a clear starter as a rim protector who's the big man besides gavin baxter who is six eight and has really long arms but he needs somebody to come off the bench and spell him at some point yeah byu needs another big man and some size in the middle to really shore up a lack of depth down low it's quality front court players absolutely you're right byu has three right now players gavin baxter colby lee dalton nixon just players uh wyatt lowell is redshirting richard harward could be this guy, but he's redshirting, transferring from Utah Valley. The fact that BYU only has three is a little bit of an issue. They need one or two more. One or two more, okay? I think the backcourt players are good. Haas, Wade, Emery, Harding, Nell, Selyus, TBD transfer as an officially signed that we keep hinting at every day, but if you check Twitter, you know who it is. But we can't tell you because we are BYU TV, blah, blah, blah. BYU needs a five. They need a five. Right now, it's literally Colby Lee as the only center on the team. BYU's going to go up against some teams where you need another big guy. Gavin Baxter, to me, is a he's better as the help side defender that's going to come block the shot than the on-ball defender, although I think he's quality there as well. You need a five-man. And the fact that Chris Burgess said players uh, is interesting because currently, as, as constituted, it would appear that BYU has one scholarship available unless someone else is leaving that we don't know about. So you have 13. Looks like BYU has 12 right now. Hard to know if any of the walk-ons are going to be on scholarship or not. And there's another uh, you know, potential signee from a JC that could be a walk-on, TBD. Yeah, a lot of this is in flux because this staff has come in and done what they need to do, which is, okay, who's signed an NLI? You know what? No thanks, no thanks to two players so far. And who we bring in? Okay, two of our guys from Utah Valley. Uh, you know, other, other guys in the mix. 
They have to get another big. Is I think BYU's in real trouble if they don't get another five. Is there a loophole for any of the transfers to play right now? Like, can they appeal something, the process, and allow one of those players to step in and go immediately? I don't know. Maybe I, I maybe something th- like that's in the works. I, I would, really don't. That's pure I would think speculation. Not. Both played and were healthy. I think so. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, the, there's the, no McKay Cannon situation where it's like, hey, I have a specific reason, and here it is, and it's private. But the NCAA said, oh, okay, you can. Well, play now, now the NCAA, if your coach leaves, they'll sometimes grant you an exception, but they're following their coach. So does that automatically rule it out? Right. It's kind of weird that way, right? It is weird, and BYU needs a big man. They how, need a five. How they get it done, I and, don't know, but they need to get it done. it's got to be someone that can contribute. Colby Lee, let's give him a sec. He was a freshman, didn't sure. play a ton, right? Sure. Perhaps he evolves and becomes a better player, you know, but I think BYU needs someone with experience. I would love to have a grad transfer or a JC5. With the loss of Yoli Childs, now three years running, BYU basketball will lose its leading scorer with at least one year of eligibility remaining. From said leading scorer, Eric Mika, after his sophomore year, Elijah Bryant left with the year of eligibility remaining, and now Yoli Childs. Is the era of having your best players be four-year guys over at BYU in basketball? Hard to know. The last three years, yes, right? Right now, it's been three years, so it's frustrating. It's cost BYU a chance at NCAA tournaments, the last two seasons specifically. If it was the NBA, we'd be proud of it. But it's not, so we're annoyed. Um, perhaps a new coach changes that. We'll see. Gregor Bell tweeted yesterday that in the last 25 years, BYU's produced five players who played in the regular season in the NBA. All were four-year players in college, whether at BYU or after transferring, they played four years in, in college, right? Travis Hansen, Rafael Araujo, Jimmer Fredette, Brandon Davies, Kyle Collinsworth. A few who didn't play uh, or didn't or haven't who didn't play four years. Trent Playstead, although... He redshirted and was a four-year college guy, played three seasons. Eric Mika, two, and Elijah Bryant, same situation as Trent, where he, he was in school for four years but played three. Yes. The frustration isn't that these guys are pros. It's when they become pros and that it's not the NBA. And to answer the question, well, the last three years, yes, but I don't know that this will last. I wonder if Mark Pope being the coach changes Who knows? what a player wants, what BYU can do. It was the end of the Dave Rose era before he retired. Perhaps there's a renewed energy that helps certain players make certain decisions. In the end, it's all individual, but because three individuals haven't made the same choice, it seems like a trend, right? Well, the four-year era at BYU is probably largely over because when you get to the pro level and you start talking to prospective agents and team scouts and they say, well, your age is not going to help you. If you're a return missionary, and two of these three were not, by the way, playing at BYU, then things typically are going to be a little bit tougher. Like Eric Mika, I'm sure was told, like, "Hey, you need to go now while you're still relatively young compared to the rest of the guys." Yeah, and Yoli Childs and Elijah Bryant didn't go on missions, and uh, the last, the last two, I guess, that's that Eli uh, sat out a year and then was injured and had a red shirt, so he was older. It was like he did. He was he was aged like he did serve a mission. Yeah, he was only out one extra year though on the transfer. What I'm so, saying is he's older than everybody else. Like that is a factor when you want to play professional basketball. And I don't know if it's just the NBA or if it's Europe too, where it's like, hey, if you want to get money in Europe too, if you want your draft stock or your uh, profile to be higher, then you got to play while you're young. 
Like that's, I feel like that's a real thing, and, yeah, it, and it, it's a detriment to BYU because sure. BYU is unique that way. Yeah, if you go on a mission. Yes. Yeah. So if a player goes on a mission, I think that this is, yeah, this is going to continue. This trend is going to continue. Historically, the greatest BYU players are the ones that didn't go on missions because it sets you back a little bit. Obviously, there are exceptions to that. But if you name the greatest player in each sport at BYU, typically that's a player who didn't go on a mission. I don't think that that is a coincidence. Obviously, you need to take advantage of your athleticism and the youth, but you can go on a mission and still be very successful, obviously. Yeah, well, but you're right. At BYU, it's unique. And why not? This isn't a place where we're getting like one and done, two and done. We've, there's been one one and done. There's been one two and done. There's been a couple three and dones. But har- hardly any underclassmen who have left, right? The, the idea is that you grow together and that you can build a team and build a squad. And, and we were all hoping that the last three years would be this magical run with this group, with the lone peak three and one. It didn't, it didn't work out, unfortunately. I'd love to see a four-year player that has pro potential stay all four years. And in college basketball, if you're really good, you don't stay four. That's the interesting exactly. dynamic here. And right? now you throw in the age idea with BYU, really tough. I, I think maybe producing NBA players is is perhaps too – well, it's, it's an ambitious goal, right? It's an ambitious goal. Outside of the National Player of the Year, we haven't had a guy land for a while in the NBA. BYU football has ambitions of their own to win a lot of games on their home field. They have not done that. Uh, more than just a hair above 500 in the Kalani Satake era, 10 and 8. Our question of the day, based on that, where does winning at Lavelle Edwards Stadium rank on your list of BYU football priorities? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Moser BYU on Instagram. I want Lavelle Edwards Stadium to be feared. Physically, the stadium? BYU hasn't won a big-time home game for a while now, and it's time the drought ends. When was the last big home win for BYU football? Boise State in 2015 comes to mind. Mississippi State, Mississippi State 2016. State overtime, although that Mississippi State team was 5-7. and seven. I would say beating an SEC team at home, always, always a big win, regardless of record. Okay, Boise State was ranked in 2015 when BYU beat them. Yeah. Is, is there something around that or before that? Yeah, it's, it's been, been a couple while. years. It's, it's been, been a while, for sure. The post-Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams era of BYU, waiting for, you know, the Wisconsin win was huge, obviously. Um, waiting for more of those kind of moments, right? Hashtag BYUSN. Coming up, another Grand Slam for the Batcats. We'll chat with Danny Jelilich, who did it last night against Utah. The voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, will join us next. Is the era of the four-year guy for BYU basketball over? We'll ask him. He's the man that tweeted out the information. This is BYU Sports Nation. He tweets, and we invite. Yes. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. We are three days away from the Nashville BYU Fan Fest, where we will be live from 1 to 3 Eastern time with a myriad of awesome guests. We're trying to get Taylor Swift. We're working on it. We'll let you know. Join us in person or on BYU TV and BYU Radio this Saturday. Yeah, T-Swift. Invitations open. <laughs> we'll take, you know, Garth Brooks. Anybody? Oh, Greg Bell's here. Yeah, Greg's here. Greg, Greg chime in on the T Swift well, conversation. How about a how about a Stadium of Fire tease from oh, Keith Urban? Keith, Urban. he lives there. That would be this good. Is true, he lives there. Bring him on. A little sneak peek. Yeah, yeah. you can bring Nicole, Keith, whatever. You know, <laughs> yeah. Come on over. 
Come on over. We'll, we'll have a great time. Thank you, too, I guess. Fest. Yeah. We are live in Studio B with Greg Rebell and Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton, the voice of the Cougars, ready to sound off. After you pointed out an interesting fact, Greg, the other day in regard to BYU players that have actually cracked into the NBA in the recent past, all stayed four years. And while the NBA prospects from BYU are generally a bit older than the rest, staying four years, we can postulate, may be the key ingredient to getting them to the next level. Why do you think that is? Well, you know, if you look at historically BYU's best basketball players, like career all-time, and I know times have changed, uh, but they were four-year guys. You know, if you go to the all-time leading scorer, Tyler Haas, or, or Jimmer Fredette, or Mike Smith, Danny Ainge, they... The, 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 the era of a guy not staying all four years is relatively new. So all of BYU's best historical players were guys getting old together with their fellow classmates, and they were four-year guys. So it is a relatively recent phenomenon we're now discussing. Um, you know, and again, Yoli's the only uh, player in BYU's career top 15 in scoring that, uh, that did make it to an NCAA tournament, for example. Um, and, and didn't get a postseason win of any kind. Uh, so, so generally speaking, if you stick around and the guys with you stick around, you do get old together, you end up with some pretty good teams and you do some good things. Do you feel like the era of the star player that stays four years is over at BYU? We were discussing. I, I don't think so. Uh, and I think Mark Pope hinted at that uh, when he took the job. He said he realizes that uh, even where he was, uh, you know, there's a bit of a trend nationally to kind of, uh, uh, you know, plug and play, uh, find grad transfers, uh, adjust to your own guys that are transferring, and the transfer numbers are, are, are greater than ever. Uh, there's a real tendency to try and cobble together teams year to year with a lot of turnover. He says, maybe we flip the script. Maybe we reverse the trend. Maybe we become that program that, again, finds guys who get old together. What if Eric Mika... Had well, a se- don't do this, Greg. Had a senior season with teammates Elijah Bryant and Yoli oh, Childs. Stop. We'll never know, right? Stop, Greg. So, so you know, Eric Mika's <laughs> last game was a first-round NIT loss. Elijah yes. Bryant's last game was a first-round NIT loss. Yoli Childs' last game was a WCC tournament loss. But we'll never know what they could have done together had they gotten old together, and they should have gotten old together. They all left with a lot on the table. They all left with unfinished business. And we can only speculate as to what BYU might have done had they stayed. I feel like the individual circumstances of each are unique, but there's some mitigating circumstances that are perhaps um, uh, similar. One is all three were married. Perhaps that plays a role, right? right? Okay, let's start our lives. Let's make some money. I get it. Um, To me, I wonder about the idea of the burden of Gonzaga in the league a little bit. Okay, it's tough to win this league. Can we get to the NCAA tournament? I hope that BYU feels like it still can get to the NCAA tournament. The last three years have been frustrating, obviously, the last four, I guess. But I guess what can Mark Pope do to overcome some of these circumstances to where when you have that guy that he does want to stay? Well, I think the key is to get old together. You're trying to defeat a team that has legit NBA talent, Every legit leave-early talent that, that does leave early. But yet, what have they, but they've gotten to Sweet 16s, Elite 8s, Final 4s, and National Title Games. They can leave having accomplished things. You can lose some guys. You can lose one and duns. You can lose two or three and duns and still feel that you got a lot out of that group. I think BYU's losing guys right now feeling we didn't get what we wanted to out of that group. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. Gonzaga has guys who leave, and they've gotten places, and they've won things. They've won titles and gotten deep in the tournament, and BYU's still trying to get to that level. Yeah. They're trying to beat a team with that kind of talent. BYU has to do the best with its kind of talent, and they can do so, and it's great talent, but it's generally talent that sticks around and gets old together and stays four years. And, and even BYU's National Player of the Year was a four-year guy and is still uh, you know, trying to hang on with, with an NBA team six, seven, eight years later, and it's tough. 
And maybe Mark Pope is the X factor in all of this, because yesterday Brandon Davies told us the reason I stayed all four years at BYU was because of Mark Pope. And he told me about the process and all the little things that I needed to do and how I needed to work through the process to get noticed. And then he does crack into the league. Maybe we're undervaluing what Mark Pope can do in this whole push to keep your best players for all four years. And then the value of the BYU experience. And and, And one thing we really have to underscore these are guys making personal decisions yep. about their lives, sure. and, and, and you have to allow them that right and that prerogative. All I wish, and this is a personal thing, and this is where you have diverging interests. My interest as the BYU play-by-play guy is that BYU's best players stay as long as possible at BYU until their term expires. That's my interest. Their interests are sometimes otherwise. But all I wish is that BYU's best players love the BYU experience and the college experience as much as I did. And, 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 and want to get the most out of it and, and, and wait another year. You know, Europe's always going to – the Euros are always going to be there. The continent's not going anywhere. If that's your ultimate destination, it'll be there in a year. It'll be there in two years. If you're good enough to get to the NBA, well, then so be it. But maximize the BYU experience if it's in you, if it's what you really love and really want. And I guess all I'm saying is I wish guys loved it or wanted it as much as I hope they would. Amen to that. We could just end the interview now, but we have more questions. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, you, you talk about uh, the roster for next year, and Chris Burgess came on yesterday, and I asked him, hey, is the roster still in flux? And he said, yes, we're still looking at a couple of players. What position do you feel like BYU needs to get? Because we think it's the front court right now. Yeah, you know, I, I guess I, I would just defer to these guys that are coaching the, the players to, to figure out what they're going to need most and, and, and how to get there. I, I, I just know that, and it's, you know, the, the, the cliche of positionless basketball. Um, I don't know that we, maybe we're, maybe we're to a point where we don't have to necessarily think about, you know, two guys for each spot per se, as, as much as uh, the best combination of five players to expand to seven or eight or nine players and however that comp. Yes, you need some size. Uh, you can't just go out there with with you know five guys at six five or under and say we're gonna we're gonna you know run the table. But uh, you know maybe there, there, there's a way to maximize. If you think you've got a really good shooting team, even with the backed up three point line, should it get there? If that's going to be your strength, then uh, hopefully capitalize on it. And and maybe you do have to turn Gavin Baxter into in, into the post player. Maybe you didn't think he would be. In college, uh, it wouldn't be a bad a, a bad place to go if you had to go there. I know that more traditionally, you're looking at bigger bodies, like you mentioned, uh, Colby Lee. But uh, um, whatever Mark and and, and Coach Burgess and, and Coach Feger and Robinson think is their best combination, I know they'll put it out there. However, that uh, that group looks height wise. The voice of the Cougars, Greg Rebell, with us on BYU Sports Nation. The NCAA has proposed a couple of notable rule changes. Not sure if they will go into play, but one being that the three point line goes in accordance with the international line, which is beyond 22 feet. And then on an offensive rebound, instead of the shot clock resetting to 30, it goes to 20. What do you think of those two propositions and those rule changes and how it might affect the game? Well, the second one, I think, just speeds it up a little bit and in more in accordance with uh, where everyone else is going. And then in terms of the three-point line, yeah, it was a rough year for BYU from deep. Could it be better if it gets deeper? Well, if you've got better shooters, it can. And I, th- I think BYU <laughs> will have, hopefully, a better collection of shooters this year. Three, it's a foot and a half. It's a it's it's, it's significant. It, it's a foot and a half back now than 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 what it used to be. So and again, presuming it gets passed, and it looks like that's kind of the uh, the feel right now. Um, again, the rule change is good news for good shooters, and hopefully BYU has some this year. You add Jesse Wade, who in practice was lights out. Apparently, oh yeah, I mean he's he's really he really was. There were days when when he was the best shooter on the floor. 
last year. That's for good. BYU. Yeah. Trevin Nell shot 48% from three in high school. Granted, you know, the line's different, but that's right. good news. And then, yeah. then uh, TBD transfer, who hasn't officially signed, who we can't mention, he was pretty good, too. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there, there's some guys who have uh, done it at one level or another. And, uh, yeah, and, and some have done it at a high level uh, of college play. And uh, so, yeah, and, and there's some numbers that top 40 right now. And anybody that's topping 40 is, is someone I think BYU should be happy yeah. to have please, on the roster right please now. Please, come yeah. join the BYU experience, as yeah. you mentioned. Yeah. All right, let me shift to the football beat now. We've talked about winning at home for BYU football. I think it is number one on my priority list, Greg, because BYU the last two seasons has not been good at home, like historically bad at home, and it's really weird. And they have a schedule that if BYU can have a winning record at home, then you would think they're set up for great things in 2019. So where does that rank on your priority list this year? Yeah, we're all about the hot summer nights right now, and that's the September home games, right? Well, late August as well. We're going to include Utah in there. But uh, imagine what you could do if you win those hot summer night games, the uh, the, the Utah, USC, and Washington Pac-12 Here, here put these on for me. You know, I've never worn these. Oh, oh nice. Greg. Oh. You think of all yes. people, of all people, how has Greg <laughs> never worn okay, the blue goggles? Camera. So we, yeah, this one yeah. right here. Yeah. yeah so there, there it go. is. So yeah, we're all about the hot summer nights. Somehow, if BYU could uh, could win its its Pac-12 home games in August and September, they'd be set up for some special things. What do you see through those goggles with those three games, three dubs? Oh, you know, I I I've I've long through ago those goggles. I've long ago stopped trying to see into the future with any accuracy. No, through the uh, goggles, you see three wins. That's how it works. I see, we see the most positive, amazing thing. I see three full houses. <laughs> And, and, and I, see, I see, I see, I see energized. I see an energized fan base. Is the rock there? And uh, and and I see, hopefully, uh, the best possible outcome for BYU. Let's go. If that's what you're seeing through the blue goggles, I'm concerned. <laughs> they <laughs> lost a little see, bit of their luster. You got to see all three wins in <laughs> blowout fashion. <laughs> now, I I, I I I tend to measure my comments these days when it talks about what might happen in the future. But when yeah. you have the blue goggles on, you can say whatever, yeah. Greg. That's Greg. You that's look great, thing. man. Thank you very much. You look in great. fact, if you want to. Get prescription lenses and use those. <laughs> Just use these in the booth. That'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't need a spotter anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> these change everything. <laughs> Who needs Doug Martin when you have those? Yes. <laughs> Great stuff. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Greg. Yep, you bet. He still has them on. Yep. He's going to keep them. Coming up, I peanut butter it. and jelly for a game winner at Utah. Danny Jellilich. Peanut butter jelly time. Debut. Yes. Peanut butter jelly time. And what's the chance BYU football indeed? Has a winning record at home in 2019. We'll discuss next. This is BYU Sports Nation. This is what Greg's going to sound like in the booth. <laughs> BYU Sports Nation continues. Greg Rebell has taken off the blue goggles. He didn't see all three wins. I'm really concerned about that. <laughs> you put them on. Do you see all three wins? Hold on. Let me has, it, has it altered the lens? Blue goggle alert. Blue goggle oh, alert. There's two wins, but a close alert. loss. Blue goggle <laughs> alert. And we said, you know what? It's all right. Moral victory. <laughs> Those are the most ridiculous it was glasses ever. I love them I know. so much. They gave this to us? <laughs> we now present today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. No blue goggles necessary for what BYU baseball did to Utah last night. 10-3 win in Salt Lake City after yeah. a late innings push. Game was tied 2-2 in the top of the eighth. Bases loaded. One Danny Jelilich coming to the plate and did this. 2-2 pitch. That ball hit pretty well. Right field, right fielder going back. Nicholas looks up. This ball is out of here. Grand slam home run for Danny Jelilich. Cougars lead 6-2. 
I can get used to this Grand Slam thing. (laughs) A third Grand Slam in the last four games for the Cougars. Brock Hale hit the other two. Brock Hale last night went three for five. Hit his third home run in four games. Karma. The Cougars are 34-14. and 14, 20 games over 500 going into the West Coast Conference Finale Series at Santa Clara. Game one tomorrow night, 9 Eastern. Listen on BYU Radio. Men's golf update from the Pullman Regional. BYU in third place. Five strokes back of co-leaders Oklahoma and Texas A&M. BYU three under for the day. Individually, Rhett Rasmussen, eight under. Hasn't uh, started quite yet today. Carson Lundell, one under. And one stroke back of Rhett Rasmussen in the top ten. So okay, two in the, in the top, top 10. ten. All right. And uh, BYU in an NCAA championship position. The top five teams go. BYU in third place currently. Outstanding. BYU softball basically sweeps up the West Coast Conference annual awards with three players winning those top awards and seven on the all-WCC team. Senior outfielder Lexi Taro earned her first WCC Player of the Year award. Led the conference with a 488 batting average. Arissa Paulson is the WCC Pitcher of the Year. And Aaron Miklas won the WCC Defensive Player of the Year. The Cougars head to the Stillwater Regional tomorrow. 15 consecutive NCAA tournaments. They'll take on the number 13 Oklahoma State team at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. And former Cougar Brandon Davies scored 18 points for Zalgiris in an 89-70 Game 1 playoff win in the Lithuanian Basketball League opening playoff series. Game 2 tomorrow. Let's play What's the Chance? BYU Sports Nation asks, What's the Chance? Presented by Delta Airlines Climb Higher. We have spent a good deal of today's show talking about BYU. Keep climbing. And winning football games in their home digs, Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Jerem, with the schedule of Utah, USC, Washington, Boise State, Liberty, and Idaho State. And maybe you do need to wear the blue goggles to answer this. What's the chance BYU football has a winning record this season at home? There are two wins for sure there. Two wins for sure. So to get to a winning record, you need four. 20%. I think it's going to be tough to get two more. I see three and three as the probable home record for BYU there. That means you beat one of those four of Utah, USC, Washington, and Boise State. I think Washington's going to be really tough. That's your fourth Power 5 game in a row. To me, Washington is arguably the best team on the schedule, period. I think there's, uh, that's going to be really, really, really tough to win that game. I think USC is a team that, if they're the same kind of team they were last year, BYU perhaps could pick them off at home. Utah, BYU's loading up emotionally. Boise State, BYU's played some close games there. Last year was a close game at Boise State, and they lose the, uh, the battery of Brett Rippon and... Alexander Madison, the running back. So there's a chance the BYU wins that. Um, yeah, I, I see three and three, four and two. I'll go twenty percent. I think it's going to be tough, but it could happen if BYU is better than we think and protects home field like we hope. Maybe they do it. I say forty percent chance BYU has a winning record at home, and it all comes down to if BYU beats Utah. If BYU beats Utah mm. at home to open it up, Jerem, they're going to have they a got win- a shot. They're going to have a winning record. They at got home. a shot. I think so. Started with the win against Utah. And then I think things get exponentially better for BYU in their shot to have a winning record at home. Yeah. So right now, 40%. If BYU beats Utah, then that probably jumps up to like 65 or 70%. Yeah. If you start with that win, now you're going. Although BYU started 3-1 and one last year and then lost a couple and were 500 at the midway point after being ranked 20th. So I am... I, I do like starting fast. And BYU's done that a couple times in Independence. What I don't like is that BYU finishes slow. So you go, yeah! And then... Like 2015, it was like, yeah, and then 
couple losses there, and it's like, wait, Missouri, what what happened there in neutral? You finish with uh, you know eight or nine wins, and you go, okay, it was a good season. But if BYU wants to get to that eight win mark, yeah, you've I I don't want to say everything boils down to beating Utah. At it kind of feels kinda, that way. It does feel like it, right? Emotionally, BYU's all in on that, and if they don't, what will that mean? If they do, what will that mean the next week and beyond? Start if you start with a win, though. I think we're all going to be pretty happy. And we'll get over some losses that we might not have. Yeah, maybe it does otherwise. just boil down to beating Utah in the home opener. I don't want it to be about one game, though, even though it's Utah. The opener but it it just sets is. the tone. It's everything. It's eight losses then in a row. Then play a game that's winnable. The added context <laughs> to our countdown is loaded. Hit it! Countdown to the Utes. 106. We're close. to hundred. 106 days away from BYU hosting Utah on a late, hot summer night in August. Yeah, it's Thursday. August 29th? It might be 100 degrees. Who knows, man? Coming up, Taylor Cole returns to the LA Angels and has a great outing. And uh, wouldn't you know it, the latest Batcat to hit a Grand Slam and do so in a rivalry game, no less. Danny Jelilich is in studio. Oh, he's a man. His team's ranked 24th. Dude is getting it done. He joins us next. This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. WCC leading and top 25 ranked BYU baseball plays its final series of the regular season at Santa Clara starting tomorrow night. You can listen right here at 9 Eastern on BYU Radio. They control their own destiny. I love that phrase. But it's true in terms of winning the West Coast Conference outright and not having to share it with anybody. you got to take care of Because let's be honest, Clara. if you can avoid sharing, it's kind of nice sometimes in this situation. Yeah. Sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. It's nice to share. But, but in, in this situation, no, don't just, share. Just, just, just take keep it, it Just be selfish. Yourself. Just be selfish in yes. this instance. Don't give it to Gonzaga like a couple years ago. Just keep it. And with that great life advice, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation with our question Don't of the share. day. <laughs> Where does Titles. winning at Lavelle Edwards Stadium rank on your list of BYU football priorities? At HHSM Mom. Top of the list. Gotta defend the house that Lavelle built. BYU's 10-8 and eight in three seasons under Kalani Satake in Provo. Gotta get it done. You Hashtag better. BYUSN. Joining us now, a man who is getting it done, not just on the home field, oh, but man. on the road, like in Salt Lake City against Utah, Danny Jelilich, center fielder for BYU. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Danny. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you on the show, man. Uh, first time, and we were talking to you during the break. You hit a grand slam to win the game last night. Um, we'll get to that in a minute, but you did it with a blister. Do you mind showing yeah. the camera the blister? Uh, you sure. Okay, the blister on the, the hand. Look at this thing. He's had it all weekend. He hit a grand. Okay, that happened Saturday while you were sliding. Saturday, yeah, while I was sliding. Three for five last night with that. Yeah, it's pretty gross. And your first career (laughs) home run at BYU is a grand slam against Utah. What was that like emotionally for you as you were rounding the bases? Honestly, it was surreal. I didn't think I got it out, that's for sure. Off the bat, I was like, okay, sack fly there. You know, that's big. We get a run. We go up. Kept going. I was like, oh, man, this might have a chance. And then I was like, oh, please be fair. And then it snuck out. I was like, oh, good place to do it. Good timing. It was Definitely surreal. It's awesome. It's like a yank. There's this little part that kind of bends in, and it's snuck out in that part. No, I know. Like I said, perfect placement. Perfect placement. Perfect timing. If we play anywhere else, you know, that's definitely not a home run. Hey, Yankee Stadium, that would have been out. True. Right? True. <laughs> anywhere we played so far this year, I don't think that goes out. But 
know, lucky enough, we were playing the Utes that game, and the timing of it was you know, definitely, definitely sweet. You had 122 at bats before that, and that's your first homer. Yeah. I mean, it's Utah, it's eighth inning. That's incredible, man. Yeah, couldn't have dreamed it up better, that's for sure. That was perfect. Danny Jelich of BYU Baseball with us on BYU Sports Nation. Is there like a Grand Slam club now on the team? I, I don't know. Like Is there? Brock because like, Brock hit two hey, last week. Invited. And then I don't you know. Started it's just off. Brock and then uh, Zach Peterson. So that's, okay. that's about it. You have like a Grand Slam lunch once a month you guys go <laughs> no, out? No, not at all. I'm just <laughs> glad. Denny's and get the Grand yeah, yeah, exactly, Slam. Exactly. Just, <laughs> just glad I hit a home run. Now I'm in that club. I think there's that club. Maybe not a Grand Slam club. But. Hey, I know that Utah is having somewhat of a down year, but it's still the rivalry in state. It matters for recruiting. It matters to the coaches, the players. So what's it like to, on aggregate, beat Utah for the Deseret first dual trophy? Oh, it's definitely, it's so sweet. You know, those guys, it doesn't matter what type of year we're having, what type of year they're having. You know, we know that's going to be a game. You know, every year we know it's going to come down to, you know, big situation, big hit, and we're just lucky that we're on the, the side of it this year. It's definitely really sweet to, to be able to pull it off against them. Okay, in football, we see how the rivalry is manifested in the hard hits and whatnot, right? Um, how does it manifest itself in baseball? Um, you know, there's a lot of chirping, you know, from the dugouts. There's definitely a lot of chirping, you know, from their side. Uh, definitely from our side as well, you know. <laughs> but you know, there's a. I think there's a mutual respect between us as well. You know, a lot of guys growing up in Utah played with a lot of those guys. You know, I'm not one of those guys, but you definitely can see it. And so it's, it is nice. But there's definitely a lot of troop, and there's it's a good rivalry. Now, your older brother played at Pepperdine, mm-hmm. and you're at BYU. Why why was BYU the right fit for you as compared to your sibling? Um, I don't know. Just felt right. You know, I it's it was kind of weird. I was looking at other schools and. You know, BYU was on my list. It wasn't number one, but I came here on a visit, met with the coaches, and just felt right and just kind of knew I needed to be here. So. And you had another brother play at UCLA. So uh-huh. was baseball always the thing in your family? Yeah, definitely. Like, we played football in high school, but baseball was definitely the sport that, that we had. And, you know, my brother, he actually played against Utah. He played at UCLA. So he played at Smith's Park, and he told me, I say, yeah, I put one over the scoreboards. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Of hey, course, classic yard or, older brother. Exactly, yard or a mile, whatever goes out. You're like, was it a grand run. slam? Oh, it wasn't. Interesting. <laughs> I've had several people ask me about your last name and its origin, and I was like, I honestly don't know. So let's get the backstory. So I've always been told it's Yugoslavian, hmm. and so like Serbia area around there, and so... I definitely need to do more family history, but that's definitely what, at least what we found so far. So hmm. it is a good one. The 23 and Me test or whatever, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jealous. That's awesome. There aren't a ton of six foot four, 215-pound center fielders. So why is center field the spot for you? Um, I don't know. You know, it's definitely been a spot that I like. I think I have the speed to cover a lot of ground out there, so it's just a good fit. You make a catch going into the wall and hurt your shoulder this year. A spectacular yeah. catch, but then you have to come out of the game and Jaron Hall has to be substituted in after yeah. he's back from practice, from football practice, like 10 minutes earlier. Um, how are you feeling after that injury, and, and how's your body overall? Um, you know, it's definitely it's taken me a while to get back. Um, I was able to swing maybe two weeks after that, but throwing was the, the big thing. You know, I still have a little bump here, shoulders a little droopy, but I think I'm – Almost back to 100%, but it's definitely, it's, it's feeling all right, I guess. What did you do, sprain, sprain it? So I sprained my AC joint there. Mm-hmm. And so it was, that was the Sam Bradford injury against BYU. Really? Oklahoma, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he was out for a while. You, you are not, so apparently you're yeah. tougher than Sam Bradford. I, like <laughs> I don't that. know about that, but I'll <laughs> well, take it. I'll take what's, it. A, what's that di- dynamic like with Jaron? He's a good player. You're the starting center fielder, but he's coming in from practice, pinch mm-hmm. hitting. Now he's with the team fully. What's mm-hmm. that like? 
Oh, it's awesome. You know, Jaren's Jaren's a stud. You know, he's one of the best guys on the team. You know, it's it's been a lot of fun. You know, to be able to have him, especially now, uh, to have him full time, be able to hang out with him. You know, on the field and off the field. You know, he's a really good guy. I, can't, I have nothing to say but good things about him. Why is the team so different this year? Twenty-two wins a year ago, and then the culture shifts. So you you live in this culture now. Yeah. So based on conversations you've had with guys and everything you've seen happen this year, why is it different? Um, you know, I've just heard the chemistry is a lot different. You know, there yeah. definitely is a different feel. Um, you're back. That's you're, the difference. You, no, that's not the difference. <laughs> I was hoping you'd go there. Like, well, I wasn't here last year. It's definitely so. not the difference, but I feel like, you know, whether you're underclassmen, upperclassmen, it doesn't really matter. You know, guys are just hanging out. It's definitely it's definitely a family. You know, it's it's a lot different, you know. It's it's nice to to have that chemistry with the team to be able to bond with everyone. So it's since Jaron backs you up, have you negotiated being the backup quarterback? Hey, I've talked to him a little bit about football. Because <laughs> you played football, in high I did. Football. I was a wide receiver. I was like, hey man, you let me know. Let me know. <laughs> you need you a got receiver. the speed. You got the size to be a wide Six, receiver, four, yeah. right? In Let's center go, field, Let's yeah, uh, can cover a lot of ground. We would love for you to sign our Sailor Coog flag. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for a few reasons. Yeah, good One, luck against Santa Clara. For some added yeah. healing to your hand. Way. Okay, take care shoulder. of that blister, the shoulder. And for BYU to go and do something they've never done. And that's uh, be the number one seed in the West Coast Conference Tournament. Yeah, hopefully, right. All right. Okay, thank thanks, you. Danny. Yeah. Thanks, Danny. Grand Slam last night against Utah. I know. Gosh. The Grand awesome. Slam Club. Utah now, if you want. Yeah. Okay, coming up, the latest from men's golf on the course at NCAA Regional. And how did Brandon Davies fare with his version of the BYU Sports Nation karma in game one of his playoff run? What's the name of the team they beat again, Jerem? I don't know. <laughs> this is BYU Sports Nation. The Fighting Jello Liches. <laughs> Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. A shout-out to our guest, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rebell, and the latest BYU Batcat to hit a Grand Slam, Danny Jelilich, who takes care of Utah in doing so last night, helping the Cougars win 10-3. to Show's on demand via the podcast and the BYU TV and BYU Radio apps. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around baseball beat utah 10-3 last night thanks to a go-ahead grand slam from our guest last segment danny jelilich his first homer at byu that's three grand slams in the last four games for brigham brock hale leveraged the karma as well for a home run and two doubles in the win BYU plays three at santa clara to finish the regular season starting tomorrow night golf Rhett Rasmussen shot a 7-under par 63 yesterday to move into a second place tie after round two of the ncaa pullman regional Helping keep the Cougars as a team at fourth overall. The final round underway today. Top five teams move on to nationals. And as of this moment, BYU tied for third in the team competition at 20 under par. They are three under as a team today. They're playing on holes four through eight, depending on which individual you're looking at. In great position, still eight shots above the cut line. This could be back-to-back years of BYU going to the NCAA championships. And Rhett Rasmussen tied for third, eight under even today. Carson Lundell, the freshman, tied for eighth, one under today, seven under for the tournament. Softball. Cougars took home some West Coast Conference hardware yesterday. Lexi Taro is the player of the year in the conference. Arissa Paulson, pitcher of the year. Aaron Miklas, defensive player of the year. BYU plays in the Stillwater Regional, the NCAA tournament, tomorrow night, 8.30 Eastern against Oklahoma State. Cougars overseas. Former Cougar Brandon Davies with the BYU Sports Nation Karma scores 18 points for BC Zalgiris in a Lithuanian playoff game. 89-70 victory against Zukija. That's spelled D-Z-U-K-I-J-A. So I'm being a little liberal there. Zukija. Zukija. 
Whatever it is. Uh, good luck to Brandon. Game two tomorrow. Cougars in the major league. Taylor Cole was called back up to the LA Angels of Anaheim.com where last night he scored or pitched two scoreless innings with four strikeouts and a loss to the Twins. Vlad Guerrero Jr. Jerem hit not only his first, but his second career home run as well for the Toronto Blue Jays. He passed Danny Ainge as the youngest Blue Jays player with a home run at 20 years old and 59 days. It was a nice run for Danny. It was a nice run. It was a nice run. It was going to end, let's be honest. Yes. Today's rise and shout-outs now. And I'm going back to a man we just talked about, Rhett Rasmussen, who with his seven under par yesterday – Really put BYU in a solid position to move on as a team in the NCAA Golf Championships. Pretty awesome. Danny Jellish gets mine. First career home run is a grand slam to win against Utah. With the Are blister? You, with the blister and a, a bum shoulder. And on BYU TV, we're showing you Jason Shepard's angle, which was down the line. Pretty awesome. Right above the dugout. I'm shocked he wasn't in the dugout. Grand slam. <laughs> is in, it's incredible. And the fact that BYU's hit three in the last four games, pretty Stinking cool. Uh, the welcome at home plate is pretty oh! outstanding. Yeah, he, Danny said it was surreal, and you can understand why. That's an incredible feat. First homer. I know. I know. Wow. You can't make that stuff up. It's it's again sports is showing like you why it's why it's the greatest and only true reality television. Yeah, you cannot that real world take scripted. that bachelor love bachelorette. It. Our question of the day, where does winning at Lavelle Edwards Stadium rank on your list of BYU football priorities? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Matt Cougar 86, I say it's number one priority. Just how a person's success starts in the home, so is the the success of any team. It all starts at home. I don't invite enemies to compete with them in my house, but I get the point. I think Rivals is number one. The Elite Voice of the Day presented by Sundance Mounts Resort celebrating 50 years at Colonel underscore James 83. Back to back, back, days. To back days. Number one, always beat Utah. Always. Number two, always win at home. Number three, always beat other rivals. Number four, above 500 against Pac-12 and away games. Number five, be ranked at the end of the season. It's a thorough list. Yes. Sorry to Dennis Pitta. We ran out of time. Conversation. You didn't hit a grand slam. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSN. For Jeremiah Spencer, shout-out to Lonnie Hebron Fengupo. BYU baseball tomorrow night as they open up their final series. BYU Sports Nation back to work tomorrow at noon Eastern. Go Cougs.